United States Department of Justice announced on Monday that a 50-year-old patch member of the Hells Angel Motorcycle Club in Rhode Island was sentenced to seven years in prison for drug trafficking. It took Douglas Leadham a few months to plead guilty after Needham was arrested in February of 2019. Authorities discovered a lot of drugs, weapons, and cash at his residence. Members of the Safe Streets Task Force, after a court-authorized search of his residence, and they did find a lot of stuff, resulted in the seizure of approximately 39 grams of methamphetamine, 21 grams of cocaine, two handguns, a 12-gauge shotgun, two body armor vests, 35 knives, four hatchets, five expandable batons, a set of brass knuckles, and $6,400 in cash and a sort of items used in the packaging and distribution of drugs. Yeah, they nailed him. By mid-May, Leadham agreed to plead guilty to possession of 5 grams or more of methamphetamine with the intent to distribute. I, You know what? Methamphetamine. I can't stand that stuff. Possession of cocaine with the intent to distribute and being a felon in possession of a firearm according to the DOJ he was sentenced to 84 months or seven years and will also be subjected to four years of supervised release once he is out he got uh, he, they didn't give a lot of time on this one. Rhode Island State Police, he actually got lucky. Video from June showed authorities raiding the Hells Angels Clubhouse in Providence. That appears to have been unrelated to the Leadham case. Three Hells Angel members, its leader included, were arrested that day after an investigation into a shooting. That is the one where they shot at that pickup truck. He was an ex, uh, ex prospect and he continued to do his deliveries. As for Leadham, he apologized in court. The Providence Journal reported, quote, I apologize to family and friends, he said. Leadham's supporters said he was a good man brought low by his drug addiction. <laughs> Don't sound like he was addicted, man. U.S. District Court Judge John J. McConnell also ordered Leeham to undergo substance abuse treatment. I don't know, man. He's supposed to be an addict, had all that stuff going out? I don't know. <laughs> By Ken Ritter, the Associated Press, Las Vegas. Echoes and chaos of a deadly 2011 shootout between rival motorcycle gangs in a northern Nevada casino are set to be retold in a Las Vegas federal courtroom in coming weeks. 
during a racketeering trial of eight Vagos members charged with being part of a broad criminal enterprise in several western states. What's that sound like to you guys? Sounds like Mongols 2 coming. You watch. Jury selection began Monday in U.S. District Court for a trial scheduled to begin with openings August 12th and stretch into about Thanksgiving. What I mean is in the second patch trial. The eight men, all from California and ranging in age from 36 to 70, represent the first of three groups totaling 21 defendants in a sweeping case that prosecutors allege involves Vagos and crimes in California, Arizona, Hawaii, Oregon, Utah, and Nevada. The centerpiece of the case is the shooting death of Jeffrey Pettigrew, president of the Hells Angels chapter in San Jose, California. During a brawl at a crowded Reno area casino that set gamblers diving under blackjack tables and left bullets in the slot machine. And people wonder why uh, businesses are putting up no patches or no color signs. Anyway, two Vagos members received non-fatal gunshots in the exchange of gunfire and one was wounded while riding his motorcycle several hours later in what authorities called a retaliatory drive-by shooting. Hmm. Well, the Vagos are always trying to be the big dog. In some areas they are, said Terry Cates, a retired Maryland State Police Lieutenant and gang expert, now he's a gang expert, <laughs> with the International Outlaw Motorcycle Gang Investigators Association. Hey! Ain't that old dummy dumb Steve's uh, organization there? <laughs> no wonder they got somebody from Maryland, even though this is out on the West Coast. Anyway, quote, everybody's heard of the Hells Angels, the ba Banditos, the Pagans, the Outlaws, but the Vagos are right up there, Kate said. Quote, to kill Pettigrew in a setting like a casino shows that they just don't care. It's not like there are any cameras around. Huh? Man, those casinos are packed full of cameras, so he's probably being dumb. You know, he's just uh, trying to make a point that uh, the club didn't care, I guess. Now, nearly eight years later, prosecutors plan to tell a jury the case goes well beyond allegations that the eight defendants plotted to carry out a, quote, green light order to kill Pettigrew. So now they're saying there was a green light order order to do this kind of stuff all right let's get the uh, drama there guys quote that's the enterprise they're the vagos daniel sheesh the assistant u.s attorney heading the prosecution told chief u.s district judge gloria navarro during a recent pre-trial hearing well 
the entire conspiracy for the Enterprise is admissible against everyone. End quote. A 12-count indictment filed in 2017 accuses the 21 defendants of being a transnational gang with a hierarchy chain of command in which members reach leadership post by adhering to club rules and committing acts of murder, kidnap, assault, extortion, robbery, and witness intimidation as well as drug and weapons trafficking and if you believe that statement you need to go to Alice in Wonderland and jump down that hole. Charges date from a January 25th brawl in Los Angeles including allegations of cocaine and methamphetamine smuggling into the U.S. from Mexico and point to a September 2011 kidnapping at gunpoint of a Vagos member suspected of violating gang rules. Prosecutors say he was beaten and robbed of his jewelry, guns, and motorcycle. Yeah, they're going after this case. It's going to be round two, man. This really is. The case relies on hundreds of recorded telephone conversations, reports by confidential informants, and accounts by an undercover law enforcement officer who posed as a Vagos member in 2011 and 2012. When's everybody going to get it? Don't talk on the phone if you're going to do that stuff. One allegation is that the club members in Utah were ordered in August 2012 to pay a $100 tax to support lawyers for Ernesto Manuel Gonzalez, my fault, who was convicted in state court in Reno of Pettigrew's death and sentenced to life in prison. The Nevada Supreme Court overturned Gonzalez's conviction in December 2015 due to faulty jury instructions at trial. He was awaiting a retrial when the federal racketeering indictment was filed. Yep, the feds come sweeping in. He and his co-defendants, Pastor Palafox, Albert Lopez, Albert Perez, James Gillespie, Bradley Campos, Cesar Morales, and Diego Garcia have each pleaded not guilty each faces up to life in prison if they are convicted. Like I said, this is going to be part two. I'm going to keep on saying it. By Sam Ogazat. He is the time staff writer. And this comes out of Tampa. Two men this week will stand trial in the 2017 assassination of a rival motorcycle gang member and leader, authorities said, was shot and killed while sitting in his pickup truck in rush hour traffic in Pasco County. This was the 69ers. The two defendants, Christopher Dirty Cosimano, 31, and Michael Pumpkin Mencher, 52, are both alleged members of the Hillsborough County chapter of the 69ers Motorcycle Club. 
What it doesn't tell you is one was an ex-Iron Order member on BAD that got in there. They sat together at the defense table as their murder trial started Tuesday, but their lawyers told jurors that someone else was to blame for the slaying of Paul Anderson. 44, president of the Cross Bayou Chapters of the Outlaws Motorcycle Club. Mencher's attorney told the jury that Casamano shot Anderson. Casamano's attorney said someone else, he did not say who, was responsible. Yes, they are already tricking on each other, as I predicted when this all went down. But prosecutors said it was Casamano who pulled the trigger, and if he missed, then Mencher was there to finish the job. As you tell in the upper right corner, they were pulling a Sons of Anarchy. Assistant U.S. Attorney Natalie Adams walked a 16-person jury through the December 21st, 2017 assassination and the violent gang feud that led to it. Casamano and Mencher rode motorcycles behind Anderson, tracking him, both carried loaded guns, prosecutors say, and wore masks to hide their faces. But they took their own bikes, you dummies. Ugh. When Anderson took an exit on the Sun Coast Parkway and stopped at a red traffic light near State Road 54, Casamano walked up to the truck's window tapped on the glass, then shot the outlaw's leader several times with a Glock 45 semi-automatic pistol, according to the prosecutors. Yes, they were cowards. He was dead with his foot on the brake and a phone in his hand, end quote, said Adams, as Casamano and Mencher looked on quietly. But they're riding on the other one, I bet. That's what's going on. The state accused Mencher of being Casamano's backup, prepared to kill Anderson if the 69 years president messed up the hit. So I guess this had to be coming out of New York. Just speculating. Anderson, the outlaw leader, was killed to claim territory to demand respect, Adams said. I don't know how they can get respect when one of these guys charged, you know, was X Iron Order, but I'm just saying. But Casamano and Metro's attorney challenged the state's account of what happened and what motivated the shooting. So you're basically admitted to it, but you're trying to blame the other one. Anyway, defense attorney Ann Borghetti said her client, Mencher, was told by Casamano that he wanted to go riding on December 17, 2017, and that's all. Casamano never mentioned anything about Anderson, she said, or any plan to execute him. She also tried to minimize Mencher's ties to the 69ers, saying the gang treated him poorly, even sometimes leaving him behind at club events. Ah, somebody had to go out there and prove themselves. They called Mencher the village idiot, she said, and Casamano's plan was to blame Michael Mencher for the shooting. Holy cow, rats a glory around here. 
Cosimano's attorney said Jarvis Weiss said someone else executed Anderson in 2017, but did not name that person. Instead, he described the incident as a rogue act that the leader didn't know about. I call BS. I really do. The attorney said prosecutors are relying on testimony from 69er members who will do anything they can to reduce jail time for involvement in the case. Now, remember, guys, how many times have I said that? I called it. Uh, anytime this happens, this is what happens. Rats, rats, rats. They will tell the government what they think the government wants to hear why he said. That's why I don't know why clubs get into this anymore, man. There's always going to be a rat on the other end. Both Cosimano and Mensher faces charges of first-degree murder and a slew of related charges, including conspiracy to commit murder in aid of racketeering activity and use of a firearm in a crime of violence causing death. If convicted, each faces up to life in prison. Mensher also faces drug-related charges for his involvement in a cocaine, heroin, and methamphetamine ring that prosecutors accuse the 69ers of running. Personally, put him to death if convicted, man. That's what I say. Hi, this is Jay Hollywood Machikari. Join our YouTube channel and get Motorcycle Madhouse and tons of videos related to the bikers. Join now by subscribing for free and become part of the crowd today. Always free and always entertaining. Don't forget to visit us at www.harleyliberty.com for your daily biker news. Rock on! Are we ready? Let's go. 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 By Alexia Divya, Sturgis, South Dakota. Human trafficking is a difficult crime to track down, but there are some signs people can look for to help fight human trafficking as they enjoy their time at the 79 Sturges. The biker community is fighting against human trafficking in different ways. Indian Motorcycle Sturges is partnering with Ride My Road to help raise funds for the cause. The bike shop is raffling off a custom-made bike, the Survivor Bike Scout, on August 9th. Raffle tickets can be purchased through the Epic Project website for $20. The goal is to raise $60,000. Quote, it's definitely something that I didn't have any awareness of prior to becoming a part of this. It's a huge industry that really we all need to come together to put a stop to. It happens in your own backyard. It's not just something that happens in big cities. Indian Motorcycle Sturges General Manager Lauren Hensley said, Free the Black Hills is also making their rounds in Sturges, handing out lip balms with the human trafficking hotline number on it. The community outreach program leaves them a, at business like restaurants, bars, and hotels where people may frequently be trafficked. 
Elizabeth Varhe is the organization's co-founder and said more human traffickers come out in high volume areas. But rally goers can help fight human trafficking by staying alert and finding signs in the street. Quote, someone who pays for all of their items maybe speaks on their behalf for what they might want done at the salon or tattoo shop. You can have someone who doesn't have a lot of their own possessions. So it gets very easy to hide that, of course, during the rally because a lot of people are traveling on bikes, so they're really conservative with what they're bringing, Verhey said. Hensley said it's not that the crime lives within bikers, rather, they can be a great line of dispense. I've never seen more caring and more generous people than who rides on two wheels, Hensley said. If someone spots a possible human trafficking victim, Verhe said don't intervene, just contact law enforcement immediately. Maybe it should be legalized like in Nevada. By Aaron Heron, Whitehall. A man was stabbed and taken to the hospital Saturday afternoon in what was described as a clash between the Hells Angels and the Pagans Motorcycle Clubs at the BFS Dairy Queen off of Route 250. Police at the scene had no information about the incident, but at a 1.50pm report from the Mongolia Emergency Centralized Communication Agency 911 stated there was a fight stabbing in Fairmont between Hells Angels Motorcycle Club and Pagan's Motorcycle Club and that one of the Hells Angels members was being transported to Ruby Memorial Hospital. No further information was provided in the report. The scene was cordoned off with yellow crime scene tape as law enforcement officials began the investigation. Customers continued to pull up and get gas in their vehicles as police gathered evidence and interviewed bystanders. A person at the scene who wished to not be identified by name said the Pagans allegedly ran one member of the Hells Angels over and hit another with a car. She said they were both men. Quote, they stabbed the one that they ran over. She said she said the victim had also been struck by a baseball bat. She said the Hells Angels were not from the area. Their jackets reportedly had wording that they were the Hells Angels from Rochester, New York. She said there was yelling and screaming outside. Quote, the one that got hit with the car, not stabbed, came in asking for towels, so I grabbed the rags that we had and I took them out, she said. I applied them to his, the victim's head because his head was bleeding. She also put a towel on his wrist where he was bleeding. She said he was stabbed in the head and his wrist was gashed and he was laying on the pavement by a gas pump. The woman said she applied pressure to his head again and another person put pressure on the man's wrist.
to stop the bleeding until EMS arrived. She said they were told by EMS that if they hadn't helped, the man probably would have died. Well, that's good. Somebody didn't die, at least. Whitehall police were investigating the incident. In addition, the Marion County Sheriff's Office, the Fairmont Police Department, and the West Virginia State Police were on the scene. Again, another one in public in front of citizens. By Jeff Jenkins, Charleston, West Virginia, a Kanawha County man alleges a group of people bullied and intimidated his wife, causing her to commit suicide by jumping off the New River Gorge Bridge. Attorneys for Roy Vernet of Hughes Creek filed the civil lawsuit earlier this week in Kanawha County Circuit Court. Fernati's wife, Denise Fernati, 46, a longtime employee at the Fayette County Courthouse, died on August 5, 2017. According to the lawsuit, the decision to take her own life followed, quote, a few days of mental and emotional distress caused by the bullying and hazing actions of the defendants in the lawsuit. Its alleged defendants posted suggestive photographs of Fernet in public places in eastern Kanawha County, including on the front door of the church she attended. The lawsuit also alleges a photo was sent to Fernet's employer, who then informed her of his intentions to fire her. According to the lawsuit, the actions of the defendants, quote, were carried out so as to be cause embarrassment and humiliation to Fernet with the specific ideal of causing her to commit suicide. That's true, that's messed up. The defendants include county residents Marty Blankenship, Leslie Taylor, Crystal Foster, Amanda Tucker, aka Amanda Holmes, a John Doe, and another John Doe, the Florida-based Fire and Iron Motorcycle Club, and the local Chapter 40 of the Fire and Iron Motorcycle Club. There was a criminal investigation, but no charges were filed. The lawsuit alleges the Motorcycle Club, of which the defendants were members, condone the actions. I can't believe they did that, man. Not the Fire and Iron, man. They didn't condone that. It was separate. Before the bullying and hazing occurred, local chapter, including its members and its officers, knew the bullying and hazing would occur, encouraged and ratified the actions, and failed to take steps to prevent the actions, the lawsuit said. I'm having a real hard time believing that. The photos of Fernet were first posted in public places on July 30th, 2017, including, according to the lawsuit, quote, the local police station, the Cedar Grove Life Center, Shrewsbury Church of God, and numerous other signs, utility poles, and bulletin boards. Yeah, this wasn't a club authorized thing. These were rogues. Fernet's supervisor was given one of the photographs on August 4th, she took her life the next day. That I feel sorry for. That's messed up. 
The lawsuit seeks money for funeral expenses and employment benefits, as well as mental anguish, pain, and suffering. The case has been assigned to County Circuit Judge Joanna Tabbitt. Roy Fernet is represented by attorney former Kanawha County Prosecutor Mike Clifford. You know, that's one thing that really bugs me is they're going to bring the motorcycle club, which is firefighters, which I support 100% into all this. This is a rogue type of thing. I, I cannot see a club like firing an iron doing something like this. But, again, we'll have to see how the case plays out. So, don't forget to go visit us on Motorcycle uh, Madhouse Radio over on Spotify and iTunes. Boy, are the numbers through the roof, man. Thanks, everybody, for that. And also, appreciate all your support for the Biker News Monday through Thursday. Got nothing but great compliments on it. Yeah, I do got some haters, but, hey, that's the way it is. That's the way journalism is. You cannot make everybody happy. If you're looking for up-to-date biker news, then Insane Throttle is the place to be. Daily editorials and news that is dedicated to the biker scene. Come on over and join the number one internet biker news site at HarleyLiberty.com. Hi, this is John with Exit 27, and you're listening to Hollywood on Motorcycle Madhouse. Want to hear more of our music? Head on over to Spotify or iTunes. The number one internet biker radio show is now available on Spotify and all major platforms, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, and more. Don't forget to become a subscriber on any one of these platforms so you can be notified right away when our weekly episode is uploaded so you never miss an episode. Let's go. 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 By Gwen Falassa. Key West police have arrested a third man in connection with an August 1st attack at a strip club they say was a hate crime. Christian Austin Edward Artella, 24 of Baccaraton, was arrested Saturday on charges of felony battery and a public order crime under the state hate crime law. He wasn't described by police as a biker gang member, but the other suspects, Morgan Shane Cooper, 44, and Mark Anthony Magellan, 44, both of Texas, were reportedly members of the Hamietto's Nomad Gang, which police said is part of the major biker clubs that the FBI has deemed criminal organizations the alleged victim in the august 1st beating inside a bathroom at teasers was black and said he was at the urinal when a man called him a racial slur and then attacked him from behind the three suspects are white according to jail records and the reason why the Pagans is up here is that's coming up now. Artura denied being involved in the fight and said he was in the bathroom trying to stop it. Well, if that's the case, then the guy who got beat up will help you. Police arrested him after viewing security video from Teasers where they said members of the outlaw biker gang, the Pagans, were milling about. Artawa was seen quickly leaving the bathroom 
after bikers were searching for him. Police said. Hmm. Police said. <laughs> anyway, police said the bikers all shook hands and bumped fist before leaving the strip club. Well, they all seemed to be happy, smiling, and congratulating each other about the battery that was just committed. End quote. This again, police wrote in the arrest report. Police searched the guy's red Camaro and found a loaded handgun in the trunk. They placed it into evidence. Not too good right there, not good. Artewa was jailed at the Stock Island Detention Center and was released later that day on $50,000 bond. Cooper and Magellan were released from jail August 2nd after posting again a $50,000 bond. The three were staying at the same hotel, police said. Cooper told police he got into an altercation with a black man inside the bathroom because the man took a swing at Magellan. Now, Hamiotos were also involved in this incident, and uh, they were seen with the pagans, but let's get going. By Lucas McAlanias, New Hampshire Republican, Governor Chris Simona slammed Massachusetts officials Friday accusing them of being responsible for the shocking crash in his state that killed seven bikers. Anybody following this story knows what they did. The attack follows revelations that the driver, 23, the Massachusetts truck driver who has been charged with negligent homicide in the June crash, should have had his license suspended. That's what Massachusetts did. They didn't go through. It's their fault for previous infractions, but the Massachusetts Registry of Motor Vehicles took no action, and seven people died. Well, make no mistake, the deficiencies within the Massachusetts RMV under the leadership of Miss Devaney resulted in the horrific crash in Randolph, Sununa spokesman Benjamin Vassad told the Boston Globe. <laughs> man, 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 man. Uh, yeah, this was a pretty bad story, man. They had a chance and an opportunity to prevent this. Instead, they give this guy a freaking commercial driver's license. This really affected the biker community. Unreal, unreal. The governor's office comments also follow remarks by Aaron Devaney, the RMV's former registrar, who blamed both New Hampshire and Massachusetts for failing to transmit notifications about out-of-state drivers whose license should be suspended. She later resigned amid the uproar over the failure to suspend the man's license. You're damn right, man. Everybody's got an uproar. 
but the spokesman blasted the suggestion of equal blame, saying, quote, Miss Devaney to try and conflate the severity of their problem with New Hampshire is shameful and reaffirms why she no longer has a job, end quote. Since the crash, it has emerged that the driver had multiple run-ins with the law. And no, we do not mention his name on this program. In May, Connecticut prosecutors said the driver was arrested in a Walmart parking lot after failing a sobriety test. The driver's lawyer in the case, John O'Brien, said his client denies being intoxicated and will fight the charge. No freaking, oh my god. Anyway, the driver refusal to take his chemical sobriety test should have resulted in an immediate suspension of his commercial driver's license, but no such action was taken by Massachusetts authorities. Connecticut officials twice alerted Massachusetts about an earlier drunken driving arrest. Massachusetts investigators later determined the registry of motor vehicles hadn't been acting on thousands of out-of-state notifications about serious driving violations. So this happens. God knows how much more damage was caused by that. Westfield Transport, the company for which the driver had been driving on the day of the June 21st crash, also has a troubled history. According to an Associated Press analysis of Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration data, Westfield Transport, Inc., faced more than 60 violations over the last 24 months. They could have prevented this, man. You know what? This is an outrage. They could have... Mm. Biker Dad! If you haven't seen his interview, go over and check it out on the Madhouse. Gulfport, Mississippi, WLOX. Bikers Roundup is the largest camping motorcycle rally in the United States. It draws in about 30,000 people and spectators. It's an event that tourism officials are thankful for. He's somebody appreciates bikers. After their summer tourism slump caused by the blue-green algae and then Hurricane Barry, visitors could not come at a better time, according to Coastal Mississippi and the Tourism Board. Quote, we have them for the weekend. So, we are expecting an economic impact anywhere from one to $1.2 million, said Aaron Rosetti, Coastal Mississippi's Director of Communications and Engagement. That's how many people, guys, that put money into a town for a rally. That was part of the reason the events chairs chose to stay in Gulfport, despite many other Mississippi cities trying to get them to reconsider. Well, 
We tried to bring the proceeds to help Gulfport out, said David Hall, a chairman for the motorcycle rally. Community service is a part of the Roundup's mission. Great stuff right there, man. It really is. Just shows you how much rallies can benefit if they're not pricks. Riders are encouraged to think about ways they can get back to the whole city. Quote, Every club brings proceeds. Most of the time, it's canned goods, Hall said. So not only are they having a rally, they're doing a lot of charity work, too. They've chosen to donate food items to feed my sheep in Gulfport, just ahead of cruising the coast, which is always a big draw. This roundup of motorcycles bring in diversity. Rock and roll, man. That's killer stuff right there. Killer stuff. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Hollywood's Motorcycle Madhouse on Spotify and iTunes Radio. The following is a press release from the Texas Anti-Gang Center. On Monday, August 5th, 2019, at approximately 11.30, investigators with the Lubbock, Texas Anti-Gang Center conducted a traffic stop on six Hells Angels motorcycle gang members in the area of Highway 84 and FM 1585. All six members were wearing, quote, Hells Angels vest. The Hells Angels motorcycle gang is primarily centered in California and are very rarely in the state of Texas. Thorough investigation, TAG investigators located handguns on two of the gang members. The subjects were identified as Michael Hefner, 51, Vince Ball, 57, both of Modesto, California. The subjects were subsequently arrested for unlawful carrying weapons and booked into the Lobach County Detention Center. The other four angels were released without charges. The Lobach County Sheriff's Office Lubbock Police Department and Texas Department of Public Safety assisted in this investigation. The TAG website www.stoplebeckgangs.org features educational information on criminal gangs, a top 10 most wanted list, and allows community members to anonymously report criminal and gang-related activity. Again, this is a press release from the Texas Anti-Gang Center. <laughs> wow. Now they got the clubs on that list. Kim Bolin. BC's Anti-Gang Police Agency says it is taking all steps necessary to ensure there is no retaliatory violence after the unprecedented murder of two Hells Angels from the same chapter in less than six or nine months. My fault. Sergeant Brenda Winpenny, Winpenny, <laughs> I like that, of the Combined Forces Special Enforcement Unit said Monday 
that her agency is working closely with the Integrated Homicide Investigation Team and Surrey RCMP to gather intelligence in the aftermath of Friday's murder of Samander Ali Grawal, a full-patch member of the HA's Hardside Chapter. Well, what our officers are doing is collaborating as much as they can with all the different agencies involved and trying to gather all the intelligence they can and make sure they can do their best to mitigate against any violence that may come about as a result of this. Win Penny said, <laughs> Win Penny, <laughs> adding that, quote, public safety is the number one priority, end quote. The two young Alberta men charged with Gwani's first degree murder, Calvin Jr. Powery Hooker, 20, man, you guys got some weird names up there, guys. And Nathan James DeYoung, 21, will appear in Surrey Provincial Court Tuesday morning. They were caught by CFSEU's Uniform Gang Enforcement Team after allegedly fleeing the South Surrey neighborhood where Grell was gunned down about 9.20 a.m. Friday as he ordered from a Starbucks drive-thru. Oh my god, that was bad right there, Starbucks. Investigators looking at connections the two accused men have in Alberta and BC and probing the possibility that they may have been hired hitman. Ooh, the plot thickens. Winpenny said learning who else might be involved in this key to heading off further violence. Well, without having that solid understanding of where it is coming from, it is hard to predict what's going to be coming next, she said. Well, somebody's two brothers got shot and killed, maybe, yeah. Anyway, Post Media has learned that Grewell was a regular at the Starbucks where he was shot to death. Uh, I... I I know it ain't funny, but Starbucks. His murder comes months after his close friend and fellow hardside gang mate, Chad Wilson, was found murdered under the Golden Ears Bridge in Maple Ridge. Now it's an Ears Bridge. Wilson's murder remains unresolved. Well, this is something that is somewhat unprecedented to have two fairly high-ranking members of a Hell's Angels chapter murdered within a year of each other. Win, Penny said. <laughs> Win, Penny. The murders of full-patch members of the once-feared biker club reinforce the message, no one is safe if they choose a gang lifestyle. Thank you, Mrs. Winpenny. Earlier this year, CFSEU launched a social media campaign to educate the public about the criminal links of outlaw motorcycle gangs, including the Hells Angels. And by the way, when I say gang in this, this is the article. We can't change the article, so don't burn on me. Well, we are collaborating with other police agencies in Canada 
to ensure that the public is aware and educated about the risk those motorcycle clubs that are outlaws and other organized crime groups, not just the Hells Angels, pose to the public and what is involved in being associated to these groups. Miss Winnie Betty again said, quote, we have said it time and time again that the risk associated will likely result in either being arrested and going to jail or getting killed. And we have seen this now twice with just one Hells Angels chapter. Graywall 43 appeared to be struggling financially over the last few years, according to a number of lawsuits filed against him in BC courts. So what's that have to do with his murder? In January 2019, three individuals and a non-profit organization filed a suit against him in BC Supreme Court alleging that he was in default on a mortgage of $860,000 provided to him a year earlier on two Maple Ridge properties. In September 2016, CIBC filed a suit against Graywall, alleging he had not paid credit card and line of credit debt totaling about $22,000. Again, what's this got to do with everything? And several small claims suits were also filed against Graywall for unpaid bills totaling about $40,000 for building supplies, flooring and roofing installation well maybe it might have something to do maybe one of them businesses didn't like it i don't know by sam oglazit tampa the day after they allegedly assassinated the leader of a rival motorcycle gang christopher dirty cosimo and michael pumpkin metzger both cowards turned to a buddy for help yeah, SOA wannabes. Anyway, they called fellow 69ers motorcycle club member Sean Phelps Leonard. Quote, this is not a good situation, brother. End quote. Mencher told Leonard over the phone on December 22nd, 2017. It was worse than ever Mencher would have known. For unspeknownst to uh, two men... Leonard was a confidential informant secretly recording their conversations for federal agents. Casamano, uh, 31, and Mencher, 52, both made several calls to Leonard less than 12 hours after the execution of Paul Anderson, the 44-year-old president of the Cross Bayou chapter of the Outlaws Motorcycle Club. Our thoughts and prayers go out to the AOA on this one. Those audio recordings were played for a federal jury on Tuesday as the pair's murder trial continued into its second week. I don't know, man. I say if they get convicted. Electric chair. Leonard, 34, was called to the witness stand by the state sitting just a few feet from his former comrades. That just goes to show you, don't pull this stuff because you're going to get ratted out. Prosecutors accused Casamano and Mencher of riding their motorcycles and tracking Anderson's pickup 
truck as he drove north on the Suncoast Parkway into Pasco County on December 21st, 2017. They were armed, prosecutors said, and wore masks to hide their faces, but they rode their bikes. Woo, dummies. The two were out for revenge, the state alleges Anderson and a group of outlaws had previously beaten up Leonard and other 69ers member at a local brewing company restaurant in Palm Harbor. I wonder if that's why Leonard went and become a rat or if he was a rat before all this happened. When Anderson took an exit and stopped at a red traffic light near State Road 54, the state says Casamano walked up to the truck's window, tapped on it, then shot the outlaw president several times with a Glock 45 semi-automatic pistol. So, that's your retaliatory for getting beat up. Not man enough to fight one-on-one, -on -one, but okay, cool. After the shooting, photos of the two masked bikers sitting on their motorcycles in traffic saturated local news. Frightened Casamano called Leonard that night to ask if he had room in his garage, the state said. Again, they took their own bikes. Well, you know what I'm talking about, right? Said Mencher in one of the recordings. Again, why are you talking? It amazes me when these people talk on the phone. Mencher told Leonard that he had to paint his motorcycle and tear it apart, end quote. Recording, uh, according to a recording, Leonard told the jury he thought Mencher was trying to hide his bike. You think. In another call recorded December 22nd with Mencher, Leonard has said, quote, well, at least you guys covered your faces and crap. He goes on to record Mencher saying, yeah, thank God. He added, I don't mind doing things, but not in broad daylight. So why'd you do it? Because you're a coward. That's why you did it. During the conversation, Mencher implied that Anderson would not have been allowed to escape. That's because you guys are a bunch of cowards, two on one with a 45. If he would have drove away, I would have just opened up into the back of him, Mencher said. You know what I mean? This being all said on recording, you deserve what you get, man. Assistant U.S. Attorney Carton Gammons asked Leonard what Mencher meant by that. Leonard said he thought Mencher was implying that he was ready to kill Anderson if Casamano failed to do so. And that trial is going on right now. And we already got a rat involved and, you know, two cowards, the whole nine yards thinking their son's anarchy and stuff. Uh, but quick disclosure, everybody knows I support AOA, so I am biased in this one uh, on this article, but I am not sad to say that.
Well, that's it for this week's episode of Motorcycle Madhouse. Don't forget to go over to Insane Throttle's new YouTube channel and also get your daily dose of biker news every morning at HarleyLiberty.com. If you haven't done so already, go like the new Motorcycle Madhouse Facebook page. And until next week, I'm James Hollywood Machikari. And remember, keep that throttle cracked wide open.